0: we'll be streaming live'll we'll be streaming live soon. good morning those of you that are in Cuba and are able to listen and listen to the flag of Cuba and it's been there because we're heading that way. This coming Saturday, the 22nd of October. And for those of you who never been to Cuba with us, I want to make an invitation to you today that you uh, try it and see if you like uh, to be on a mission trip to the Cuban people. Uh, and uh, we're so happy. Today I want to talk to you about uh, how to treat the elders in the church, how to counsel them, how to minister to them. And Paul talking to the to Timothy, went into very, very important details on how to do that. And so I want to read Scripture, and then I'll have a a good 20, 30 minutes comment on that. Let's take a look. Verse 17, chapter 5, Timothy. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Especially those who is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, "Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading the grain. And the workers deserve his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against elder an elder, unless it is brought up by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God, in Christ Jesus, in the elect angels, to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in laying hands on, laying on of, of hands. And do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those who are not they are not, cannot be hidden. I just finished reading uh, with you First Timothy 517 to 25, and now I change, uh, change Bibles in order to have a commentary Bible uh, to share with you. And so let me do that. Uh, sorry about the problem here. Here we go. Uh, now First Timothy 517 can be read into the King James. And so I want to read King James to you because it's it's quite different. And it helps us to get a a very different idea of the text, per se, when you're dealing with uh, King James. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, respect, and regard, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Notice the word doctrine comes in. So what Paul is referring to is doctrine. How to treat an elder is doctrine. Very important. For the scripture says, and it says in Deuteronomy 25.4, You shall not muzzle the ox that thread out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. This is in Leviticus 19.13. In Deuteronomy 24.14. In 1 Corinthians nine nine. Now, one scripture that we can sort of run real quick is 1 Corinthians 9.9 9, because it's right there and it's easy to uh, to find it. So let me read to you verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 25.4, You shall not muzzle the mouth of an ox that threats out the corn. It presents basically what Jesus said in Luke 10.7 because if you go to Luke 10.7, uh, uh, you're going to see this scripture uh, out of the mouth of, the, of our Lord. It's very important to bring, when Jesus confers something that Paul is saying using Deuteronomy 25 4, it's good to to listen to what Jesus said himself. And it's in, uh, and of course, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 9. Let me. Let me take a look at that. First Corinthians nine nine. Already, I think read that. Okay. Uh, does God take care of the for oxen? If the Lord cares for a lowly beast, and He certainly does, would He not be much more for those who are taking His gospel to the world? That's my commentary Bible and what the Bible says. But let's take a look at, at Luke ten seven. Because Jesus himself refers to this scripture. And, uh, and in the same house remain, eating and drinking, such things as they give you. Talking about uh, uh, ministering the 70 as they send out to minister. And then if you look at uh, uh, look at Luke 10. Look at 10.7. Okay. Uh, Look at 10.7. It says, For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from from house to house. And so, if there's someone with a call, and the call of this someone is a call to serve God. There's nothing wrong with living with somebody else. That's what the instruction is in the Bible. Okay, so let's 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 cover this, which is now used. I'm using the uh, First Timothy uh, chapter five, verse seventeen, and uh, little by little and give you an idea of, of this text. Now, it says the elders that take responsibility in leadership, preaching, and teaching, they should be worthy of remuneration. And my, my experience with that is that, yes, there's nothing wrong with you being blessed by the church receiving income. I, I do receive uh, my expenses in RBM. I never had a salary, per se, but I received the expenses, and I'm worthy of that, and that's all I want. Uh, don't follow my my testimony on this and my witness on this, not getting a salary. I don't want to profit from RBM, and I've done that for close to 50 years. But the scripture in Deuteronomy 25.4, it simply says that if you... Treat an ox and you help this animal with food in order for him to tread the corn, taking, taking the, the, the round as a thread. The corn is, is broken in little pieces. How should the, a man of God receive remuneration for preaching the gospel? Paul insists that any accusation toward an elder that has been remunerated by the church and does preaching and teaching be only received before the witnesses of two or three witnesses. And of course, this practice today, it is not uh, dealt with anymore. In other words, you it's, it's very easy to accuse an elder and get away with it. There's a lot of things that have uh, been said, uh, but the Lord takes care of that. I want you to know that if you accuse an elder, you're going to have to respond. You can't do that. And uh, and so, Paul follows Deuteronomy 19.15 that emphasizes this, this practice. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. One witness is not enough. Now, in Matthew 18.16, uh, there's an interesting other scripture. But if he will not hear thee, King James, then take with thee one or two more witnesses that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. I'm not concerned about uh, the witness, which is important. But you really shouldn't raise an accusation against an elder because because... Uh, You want to do it. There are litigating circumstances. Life presents circumstances that are very difficult to deal with it. Life, I never met, I never seen anyone that is in sin uh, uh, as an elder not to have a disturbing, convicting uh, day-to-day until it is dealt with. And so, you've got to understand that, that God is the judge, not you. Verse 17 They should be worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. They should be paid and should be spared from accusation except by the mouth of three witnesses. Paul, in detail, disciples, Timothy. Now, why is it important that the idea of, of elders being respected is because the church in Ephesus is a developing church, a growing church. You know, when a church begins to grow and begin to produce this fruit, something wonderful begins to happen. And in the case of, uh, of Ephesus, it produced Smyrna. In, in the case of Ephesus, it produced Pergamos. In the case of Ephesus, it produced Tartara, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so the church in, in, in Ephesus was a large church. The area was populated by the Roman Empire, uh, and there were 250,000 people. If you go into Ephesus today, and you come in from the north into the administrative buildings, you got to see that that, it was monumental. Uh, The new excavations in, 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 in Ephesus show sumptuous houses that Romans built in their honor, and their families, for their families. And so... Uh, the church grew in the in the hall of Tyrannus, and the columns are there. They were columns close to forty feet high, blue marble, imported from Africa. So the hall was large, the church was large, and Paul ministered to the churches as he went. He formed churches, which is a wonderful thing, and a unbelievable thing to to see. So, observe these things, he says, verse 21, chapter 5. These rules without prejudice, the issue, doing nothing out of favoritism. So, in the church in Ephesus, you know, when someone has favor with an elder, or someone has favor with, uh, let's say, one of the leaders of the church, uh, Paul saying, don't do that. Respect that. Try not to give favoritism. Because if you please one, then the other one wants to be pleased. And you don't want to please him. And it causes a rife. It causes a problem. And so a pastor needs to stand in posture. When accusations come, give them the word. I cannot receive this accusation because it's contrary to word. And, of course, then he mentions on chapter 21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the elected angels that thou observe these things without preferring or before before another or favoritism before another, doing nothing by partiality. So the problem is, is serious in Ephesus. Notice that all the seven churches of Revelation, by the way, in March next year, twenty twenty three, twenty three, March seventeenth, thirty first, we're going to the seven churches. If you've never been to the seven churches, I'd like to invite you to come and join us in that trip because it's going to be a powerful trip. The seven churches of Revelation are the the church today in many ways, and God has a word for those that are going on this trip that will bring you into accountability in a very powerful way. But before we understand seven churches, let's talk about the problems in Ephesus. And one of the problems was favoritism. You somehow, as an elder, get involved with somebody that uh, loves you and cares for you, and you begin giving them favors that is not expressed to the whole membership. And it creates problems because one is learning, one is growing, but the others are not. And so it's very important that you do things and not favor anybody specially. Then, second, on verse 22, chapter 5, it says this Lay your hands suddenly on no men. Neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Well, let's explain this. The first part of this verse, part A, lay hands suddenly in no man, has to do with ordination. Because ordination in in First Timothy four fourteen was given in, in expressed to my brother uh, uh, Timothy by laying hands. So let me go to uh, again to First Timothy uh, uh, four fourteen, and you you will see this. I'll read it to you right now. It says, uh, uh, "Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message, when the elders laid hands on you." And so, what I'm I'm calling your attention to. Is that laying hands here has to do with ordination? Can a bishop ordain someone? Yes, you can. But you have to examine that person to that the sins that they have committed have been repented before the cross and have been dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if that's not done, because, you see, sin is common to men. The commonality of sin is very special to the Holy Spirit. There's not a single person listening to me, and especially the ones speaking to you, that have not sinned. We have to overcome sin by forgiveness, by redemption, by, by, by submission, uh, by correction of the Lord. He only corrects those whom He loves. And if you've been corrected right now, if life is not going the way you want it to go... You need to accept your correction. People that have sinned and run away from here to there and there and there and there is simply trying to run away from where God sent them and what in that environment will have to happen so their ministry continues. No ministry, no ministry will survive the lack of repentance. No ministry will survive the lack of repentance. A bishop in the North Georgia area told people to come for communion. For don't need to repent of anything. Now, that is making a mockery of the cross. That is, that is simply just spitting on the faith of Jesus Christ. It's not possible that you can come before God and, 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 and not repent. If we confess our sins, Paul says, 1 John 3, 9, if you confess our sins... He's just and faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us, cleans us from all unrighteousness. Now, I, you know, I'm an elder. I'm talking about here 70. Become now in this January 1st, I'll be 79 years old. It's close to 80. And so this morning, yesterday morning, afternoon, I stayed in the office and there is a 300-pound 300 300 pound couch in one of the rooms here in, in our office that uh, those, those boys came in and just tore apart and changed everything and disrupt the peace. Well, I said, Lord, I'd like to take this sofa to where it belong. And uh, even though those who used to be my friends have simply rejected and left the office in shambles, God's going to deal with that. I told the couch, I want to move you down the street. And I actually moved the couch by myself. It took three boys to move that couch. It took me about an hour to do it by myself. If the Lord taught me what to do and how to do it. But I got to the back door into the little apartment we have here, and it wouldn't go through. It will not move. It will not shake. And so I went downstairs, did a glass of water, picked up a bottle of oil, went and anointed the couch, anointed the door, and anointed me. (laughs) I had to deal with the three things, me, the couch, and the door. And as I went back again to pull that couch through the door, it moved by itself. It actually moved about, I'd say, four, four, four feet Inside of the room. And the Lord said to me. I can help you to do things that you can't do. So how do I know that I'm being corrected? How do I know that I am within the will of God? I'm submitting to the people. And to the situation that is around me. I have a board and I answer to that board. And I answer to God. And I'm in contact with the, with the Lord every single day. I'm praying. I'm ministering to the Lord. I'm asking God to correct me. But when you come to communion and you don't ask forgiveness of your sins, then you're contrary to the word. So so ordination is by the imposition of hands. And then it says, no, Neither be partakers of other men's sins. What do you mean by that? Let's take a look. Go into, uh, go into chapter 5, verse 22, and to clarify this because uh, if a person refuses to repent and approval is given to that person, the preacher giving the approval then becomes a partaker of the sins being committed without Repentance. in other words you have to examine I, I was in my father's office in rio de janeiro there was a church of large church 25,000 members all over the state of rio de janeiro it's a powerful ministry there paulo brito was the pastor and i remember somebody came to my father with a very large check and my father looked at the man and says i can't receive it until you deal with what is behind you now i never seen a pastor not receive a gift. Why did my father did not receive the gift? Is because there were sins unconfessed and unrepented. If you have a sin and you don't repent of your sin, you don't forgive those who trespass against you. Forgive those who trespass against us. If you haven't done it, you have no ministry. You're going to be locked down. You can run all over the world away from where God sent you until you repent. Until you repent. And, and so Paul is saying, don't share in men's sins, unrepented sins. Keep thy pure. So you have to know who's behind in front of you. You have to have relationship with that person. And primarily when an elder is scoffed and neglected and abused, And accused of certain things. The person that accuses. Is going to respond to God. And if you don't respect an elder. Then you have no right to be ministering to anybody else. Good. I hope that's not too harsh. I hope that I was able to share with you. A good side of Paul in chapter 5. Verses 17-25. Let's continue here. A little bit into uh, uh, well, I said verse 22 let's go to verse 23 it says drink no longer water water exclusively Why do you say exclusively 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 (laughs) that's when a Portuguese bothers me (laughs) Uh, in other words don't drink water only have a little wine and the question down here is, you see, she's, he's dealing with Timothy. They had some stomach. Is, they didn't have an those days, so a little wine would help. But use a little wine for your stomach's sake and, and, and your often infirmities. So the fix, the physical constitution of was not quite as strong as Paul's. So during those days, all 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 drinks could be fermented or non-fermented if you look at this word wine on chapter 5 in 1 Timothy 5:23 the word here is yain meaning it's fermented wine has nothing to do with and you say, Rick, but that's dangerous for you to know that uh, a Christian who might drink a glass of wine. Well, take it like a man. Don't you be accusatory of anything. Don't become a, a very Jewish man accusing people of this unclean and that unclean. Remember Peter in the house of, of, uh, of, of that man, that uh, Simon the Tanner. The Holy Spirit came down with all kinds of, uh, of animals that are not supposed to be touched by a Jew. And God says, that which I make clean, do not reject. Amen? Do not reject. And so what I'm saying to you today is that uh, a little wine there will help. Now, I drink a, wine, a cup of wine now and then. Not necessarily every week. It takes sometimes a month or two I don't drink. But there's a bottle down there and it's getting old, so I'll drink a little wine. And, uh, and I have stomach problems. And when I drink that wine... I don't know what it is, but it, it helps me, okay? Okay, now, good. We're moving on toward uh, understanding this. Major problems today in the new theology that requires no forgiveness, no repentance. Before you raise your hand and accuse someone, make sure that uh, you will ask you that you repent of your sin also. Good. I'm on verse 23, and I have two more verses. The first one, by the way, I want to read Proverbs chapter 31, 6 before I finish with the wine. And uh, (laughs) it says, Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. Somebody's gonna die on you. Give him some, give him some wine, or a strong drink. And wine unto those that be of a heavy heart. And uh, <laughs> I hope that uh, I'm reading from First from Proverbs 31:6 now. Give strong drink to unto him that is ready to perish. You're passing out. Give him some whiskey. Uh, I, I don't practice that, but strong drink means alcohol. Okay, good. All right. Now let's go into the end of it. I have 2 minutes and 42 seconds or 42 minutes and 39 seconds and counting. And I want to read for you uh, into verse 24 and 25. Some men's sins are open beforehand openly manifested to all eyes you can see something that is sinful in the life of someone okay be sure that you deal with it the only answer for a sin of this nature is the cross how many times I have asked God to forgive my sin how many times I have cried in the middle of the night Ask God to forgive my sin. And it's primarily important because sin comes in with a thought, a deed, or not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, uh, at our little country church here in Athens where I attend, Jerry Varnadoy is the pastor. He's giving us communion every Sunday. And I want you to know that every t- every Sunday I take communion and I deal with that situation. So follow after. In some men... They follow. I refers to the fact that some sins are never confessed and never and never, never repented. But to be sure, you'll be dealt dealt with at the judgment. Only answer to sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me pray, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, for the life of Timothy, this young man that Paul, Lord, brought in into His place and began discipling this humble spirit man. Lord, I ask you that uh, you continue, Lord, to bless. Our study on First Timothy. I thank you, Lord, for Andy Hines. I thank you, Lord, for Dr. Eugene Thomas in Virginia dealing with this subject and David Nutter, our teachers, and myself, oh God, we ask you to bless it abundantly. I want to invite you to come to Bible study in Atlanta on the 3rd of uh, November, which is a Thursday. And the location will be Transferring from the Holiday Inn, Hampton Inn Hotel to Mount Bethel Church in Atlanta, Georgia on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Thursday night, 7 p.m., Mount Bethel in Atlanta. Like to see you there. Lord bless you.